Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. You know, there is no other message like the gospel message. It's all about our greatest need and God's greatest provision. Believing it results in everlasting life. It means rejoicing for ages to come in the grace and love of God. In today's broadcast, speaker Marvin Dirksen will present four unequal truths of the gospel. First, the unparalleled life of the Savior. Next, his incomparable death. Then, the indescribable gift he offers, and finally, the unsearchable riches he wants us to enjoy. He begins by reading the scriptures that give us these amazing truths. John's Gospel, chapter 1, and we'll begin reading at verse number 1. John is writing now likely in his 90s. He's an old man, but he's thinking back to this wondrous person. And so he writes, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. Verse 14, and the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now onward in the Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 10, and we'll read it verse number 11. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Let's go back to the letter of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, just for a verse, the last verse of the chapter, verse number 15. Paul writes, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. One final reading in Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 8. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden God who created all things by Jesus Christ, and so on. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I was having meetings with Mr. Norman Crawford many years ago. We were having meetings, and I remember one night he was using an illustration from another gospel preacher by the name of George Chivas. He's gone home to heaven many years ago. But Mr. Chivas was a very unique gospel preacher. And one night there was an individual in the audience that was listening very carefully to what Mr. Chivas was saying. At the end of the meeting, he came up to Mr. Chivas and he pointed his finger at him. He said, sir, you preach some very extreme things. Mr. Chivas was a wise man. And very quickly he said, you're right, you're right. He said it was extreme guilt that caused God to send his son. 
It was extreme love that brought the Savior down from heaven. It was extreme grace that provided so great salvation. He said, yes, we do preach some very extreme things. You know, this is the very heart of the gospel, isn't it? God's wondrous love. God's amazing grace. This mighty stoop of the Savior. At the night, what we have read concerns some of the unequaled truths of the gospel. I'm afraid an awful lot of people, as they think of the Bible and they think of the gospel, they think that it it involves some kind of a difficult lifestyle that is bounded by all kinds of laws and legislations that really eliminates all joy and all freedom from life. And many people are restricted in their thoughts with regard to the message of the gospel. And they bypass the Savior. They bypass his work. They bypass his invitation. They fail to understand that the gospel message concerns the man Christ Jesus and his work done on behalf of guilty sinners. What is the gospel tonight? The gospel concerns this great truth, how that Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures, he was buried and was raised again from the dead on the first day of the week, that third day, according to the scriptures. The person is in view. And so I want to look tonight at this amazing person that we have been able to read of. He's having meetings. Into those meetings came a number of university students, and for some of them it was the very first time that they were ever in a a Bible preaching meeting, in in a gospel meeting. I remember one man, he sat right over here and he listened. The very first time he'd ever been in a gospel meeting, listened very, very carefully. And at the end of the meeting, he thanked us for for what we said and and left with his friend, a Christian. The next day I asked the Christian, I said, what was his response? What he said, my friend said it was interesting, but it was just a little bit far out. He said it, it almost seems like space invaders, that somebody would come from outer space to this world to deal with our problems. He says it's like science fiction. He said it's hard to take in. I'm not sure what your response has been to this person. But let me just very simply tonight look at four truths that we have read of. We have read, first of all, concerning the Lord Jesus of an unparalleled life. His life was different. He was a unique individual, a unique savior. His life is without parallel to any of ours. Secondly, we have been able to read of an incomparable death. In our existence, death is very common. We are all terminal patients, aren't we? We're all on a one-way road because death has a claim upon us. And every day we live is one day less than one day nearer to the ultimate step. We are in bondage to death. It's the last enemy. But you know, when it comes to the Lord Jesus, death had no claim upon him. And so as we read of his death, we're made aware that it was an incomparable death, an absolutely unique death, an important death. And tonight, the very heart of the gospel concerns how that Christ died for our sins. And because of his death and because of his life, could I tell you about an indescribable gift? I wish we had the time to describe what salvation really is. We're only going to touch the fringe of the fringe, and I trust you'll come back night after night because we'll try to find more vocabulary and more truths and more examples as to what this indescribable gift is all about. Is it worth having? certainly is. Is it worth pursuing? Definitely. Is Christ worth knowing? Yes. A thousand times yes. And here's Paul, and as he thinks of all that God has done through Christ, and of the immensity of this gift, and of the, the far-reaching dimensions of Calvary's offering, he can only say, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable 
gift. He said, I don't have the vocabulary to describe it. It's beyond words. I wonder, do you have the gift? Are you enjoying the gift? It's being offered tonight, an indescribable gift. And then Paul writes, of course, of unsearchable riches. We're not speaking about earthly riches or monetary riches. We're speaking about unsearchable riches for time and eternity. He that has the Son has life. And for a person to come out of the bondage of his sin into the forgiveness of his sins, he has the greatest treasure, the greatest gift, the greatest reality, the greatest riches. And so Paul writes and speaks and lives with regard to these unsearchable riches. You know, John, at likely the age of 90 or 91 or 92, takes up his pen about 30 years after Matthew, Mark, and Luke have put their pens down. 30 years have rolled their course. He's a prisoner, likely in Patmos. He is there because of his link with the gospel and with his link with Christ. And yet in this man's soul rings the reality of this wondrous person. So he begins to write, and he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then he thinks of that moment when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he remembers that moment when he first saw him, when he drew near to him, when he talked with him, when he spent time with him. And then he begins to write of those three and a half years in which he watched him. And he says, our hands have actually handled him. And he said, he is unique. He is absolutely amazing. An unparalleled life. How did that life, as far as this world is concerned, really start? It started with a virgin birth. Now, understand this. That was not the start of his existence. He's the eternal son of God. He's the mighty creator. He's the great I am. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. That takes us to an eternity past before there was any time. Without beginning, without end. But there came a moment. Down from the glory, the Savior came. And the Word, that which is now going to bring into view the invisible God, that which is going to reveal all that God is, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And He came by way of the virgin birth. There was never, never a start like His birth. Wise men worshipped Him at His birth. I've never seen this. I've seen grandparents and parents and friends gather around a little baby and They look at this little child, and they're amazed. They rejoice, but there's no worship. But there were men that traveled hundreds of miles to be able to bow at his feet and to worship him. And if he was not who he claimed to be, that would have been blasphemy. As Mary and Joseph looked on, they saw these grown men that had traveled miles, and they worshiped, these men worshiped at his feet at the age of 12. As Mary and Joseph found him in the temple, they saw him in the middle of learned men, the lawyers, the doctors, the theologians, and they listened. And they watched these old men shake their heads. Where does he get the knowledge? How does he know these things? They were amazed, astounded at his understanding of his answers. The age of 12, not even a teenager. And yet men were amazed, astounded at this unparalleled life. And as men watched and scrutinized him, they're made aware of one mighty truth. He has no sin. He's a perfect man, perfect son, a perfect man, a perfect servant. We can't even understand or visualize that kind of a truth, a reality. We're so marked by failure, aren't we? Sin dogs every one of our tracks. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God, but not this man. 
without sin, without flaw, without blemish, without any imperfection, not even just a, a slight imperfection, absolutely sinless and spotless. Have you ever considered his power? We're living in a world in which we pride ourselves on what we've accomplished. The technological age and the computer age and the space age. Men in outer space. But there came a man into this world and he actually walked on top of the waves. He spoke words of simplicity and yet power and the wind stopped and the waves went calm. He drew alongside of a closed up cave. A man's body had been put into that cave four days previous. And with words of authority he says, roll away the stone. And one of those sisters stepped up and said, Lord, no, please, don't do it. He, he's, he's decaying. It's, it's not a good smell. The stone was rolled away. And as this unique person with an unparalleled life stepped to the entrance of that cave with words of power, he said, Lazarus, come forth. I wonder if you've ever heard his voice speaking to you. Words of power, words of authority, words of truth. Have you considered his claims? He himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. Those words are not true. Then he really is a deceiver, isn't he? But he says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection of the life. And tonight there is a man who has come into this world with absolute far-reaching claims. Have you considered his grace? We want to convey the grace of this wondrous person. And at the very heart of the gospel are words of a gracious invitation. He said, and he still says, and I come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Rest. Maybe I'm speaking to someone here tonight and you're angry with life. Maybe you're frustrated with life. Maybe you're trying to enjoy life. You haven't found it. And maybe you're convinced that somewhere beyond where you are tonight, you'll find it. The Lord Jesus said, whoever drinks of the water of this well is going to thirst again. And you know, there's an awful lot of thirsty souls around. Trying this, going there, investing in that, experiencing all kinds of things. But they fail to find rest. And yet the grace of this wondrous person, he said, you come to me, I will give you rest. That is grace because he's not inviting just a select few. It's an invitation that goes out to the world. And that's why this unique person with an unparalleled life is the very heart of the gospel. There's unique death and incomparable death. Death had no claim upon him. In fact, he said, I have power to lay down my life. I have power to take it up again. Now, if any of us said that, you'd say, well, I'm not going to go back to those meetings. Those men are full of delusion. And you'd be right. But he said those words. I have power to lay down my life. I have power to take it up again. And the world laughed at him. But there came a moment when the world placed him upon a cross. They pierced his hands and feet. They lifted him up upon that Roman gibbet. And they said, that's the end of him. We're going to get rid of him forever. But even upon that cross, he gave evidence of the fact that he had power over death. No man taketh my life from me. I lay it down of myself. The good shepherd giveth, layeth down his life for the sheep. And there upon that cross, could I tell you, it wasn't the nails that held him there. It wasn't human weakness. He went to that cross to taste death for every man. He came to pay a debt that we should have paid. He came to answer to charges that were against us. He came to answer for our sin. 
He came to bear the judgment that should have been upon every single one of us and will be upon every one of us that rejects him. And yet there upon that cross, he willingly laid down his life, suffered for sins, and in doing so died in our place. That's the truth of the gospel message. Christ died for our sins. Years ago now, March the 6th, I came to face the greatest need of my life and of my eternal future. I had sins that I was accountable for. I had sins that were upon my soul and upon heaven's records. And I couldn't do anything to erase one of them. And when I faced that tremendous prospect, I realized I am helpless and I am hopeless. Until, until I read these words, the Lord laid on him the iniquity or the sin of us all. And there upon Calvary's cross, he put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. This man, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins, he forever sat down. You know, he'll never have to stand up again to address that issue. That work has been finished, paid in full. And he sat down because the work required to put away our sin was effected in full at Calvary, an incomparable death. I'm amazed, and I wish I could understand more of it, the fact that he came voluntarily to die. Everyone has heard of 9-11 and the horrific deeds there. Just speaking about some of the planes that took off from Newark and, and Boston, and how those terrorists took over the cockpit and turned those planes for New York City. And with cold indifference, flew those planes dead into the World Trade Center towers. With a tremendous explosion and loss of life, we're made aware that there were men in those planes that were willing to give their lives so that thousands of other people could be taken down in death. There was one man, and friend, this is what the gospel is all about. There was one man who came from heaven to give his life, to die in our place, that millions of people might live forever. What a savior. What a tremendous work. What an incomparable death. He came knowing that that would be the cost. He came voluntarily. He never turned aside until he could cry, it is finished. Because of that finished work, God is now offering an indescribable gift. That was four years now. And uh, there were a number of young people that were coming. Every night had a different crowd. Dozens and dozens of young people came to those meetings. I recall the young woman that came, but I didn't really recognize her. And she said, do you remember me? I said, sorry, my dear, I, I don't. Well, she said, I was in those meetings. And she said, I got saved at that time. I said, really? <laughs> Delighted to hear that. <laughs> That's like music to a preacher's ear. And then she said, you know, I, I was the girl that came in chains, leather, all kinds of makeup. I said, oh, I, I do remember now. She said, I came to about three or four meetings. I said, That's all? I said, That's all. I said, What, what was the attraction of the gospel message. She didn't have to wait too long. She said, I heard that the work was done, that God was offering me a gift, but there was nothing I had to do to receive it. She said, I took, I took the gift. She said, I'm so glad I did. Tonight, there is a gift being offered. You don't work for it. You don't merit it. You don't have to try to do all kinds of various procedures to obtain and to enjoy this gift. It's being offered as God's wondrous grace. What makes it so wonderful is the fact that we don't deserve it. Never will. Even as Christians now, as saved ones, we still don't deserve it. 
It's given on the basis of His grace. It has a universal scope. We can go around this world tonight. Tell everyone in this audience, regardless of where you come from and where you've been into, this gift is for you. It has unlimited blessings and has eternal dimension. That's why I'm so glad I took the gift. It cost him everything. It cost me nothing. And that's why the unsearchable riches of Christ are worth knowing. There's an unequaled name with regard to this person. The name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess, Jesus Christ is Lord. There were those that heard his name. I shall call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. As he passed by, they understood the Savior is alongside, and they called out to him. I wish Bartimaeus was here tonight. He'd be able to tell it firsthand. He'd able to say, he was right there, and I called. And he stopped, and he called me. I understood the value of the name, the value of the person the unsearchable riches of Christ. Let me just ask you as I sit down, what have you personally done with him? Not a church, not an organization, not a procedure. Just what have you done with him? Because to receive him is to receive everlasting life. To reject him is to come into the great and grave possibility of losing your soul forever. I trust tonight you might respond to him and receive everlasting life. Yes, the Lord is waiting for a response from you. Consider his unique and sinless person. Think about his death. The gift of eternal life he offers involves the sharing of his unsearchable riches for ages upon ages to come. What a wonderful salvation! What a wonderful Savior! Will you receive Him as your own personal Savior today? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at anchorpointradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our Anchor Point website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is Glenn Todd. Thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.